0: Hey out there in podcast world, I'm Gus Dennis, and this here's Stone. How's it going today? Welcome to a preview of the Gus, Dennis, and Stone Show. We're taking board games.
1: I still say it should be the Stone, Gus, and Dennis Show, but, well, I guess an old-timer like me doesn't get a vote. they millennials.
0: You don't have as much spunk as I do, Stone, so we're going to call it the Gus, Dennis, and Stone Show. What those poor ding-dongs at the MFG cast don't understand is that they hired us to do some fun stuff, but they didn't realize we're going to speak our mind. We're going to take some of those game designers and some of those games that you all love, and we're going to knock it down a couple of levels, you know what I'm saying? Stone, 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 that's, that's where you're supposed to come in.
1: All right, I hear them talking about this above and below and that near and far nonsense. How about here and now? That's what's important.
0: Just like you, Stone, to have a lot to say and not too much time to say it. I don't think I have that much time at all, Gus. Old Black Lung is working its way through me. Remember when I told y'all we're going to have some fun? Well, Stone might bring that down a few notches. But you can bet your sweet tutor that we're going to bring the pain coming up here very soon. So listen up, pay attention. When Gus Dennis and the Stone show comes along, ain't none of y'all going to be safe.
1: I heard that D.Y. guy talking about Embark. We're going to embark on some real ratings. I'm tired of this top 100 nonsense. Gloomhaven, we're going to take down all this top 100 nonsense. Gloomhaven, more like Gloom, I'll be saving my money on that
0: $100 piece of garbage. Did you hear that, world? That's what you're going to be expecting from Stone. Boy, can't wait for that. All right, well, until we see you next time, remember, the Gus Dennison Stone Show, coming at you, coming soon. Real soon. Stone, you're not supposed to talk anymore. That was it. This is the MFG cast. <clears throat> This is Kurt, and as always, D. Wyatt, and we're here to talk about another local con. We're going to talk about Dan's time at Dreamation this year. So, Dan, what is uh, for Dreamation? What is this? Is how many how many times have you been to this now?
1: Uh, Dreamation. This is my third year going. I missed. I had to miss one year because uh, work was obnoxious and everyone was sick. But Dreamation, for those that don't know, it's a local con out here in Morristown, New Jersey. And it's part of the trio of the Dexcon events. So there's Dexcon, which is always like by fourth of July. Dreamation happens in February. And then there's also Metatopia, which happens like as the in-between, which it's just more like about playtesting and game development. So Dreamation and Dexcon are the main like established title gaming events and stuff like that.
0: Nice. So remind me, because I always forget this kind of stuff. So with like who owns this? Is it Dexcon that owns it you know who how does that how does that all work shape out with all three of those so legend has it
1: that there is a shadowy figure known as Vinny who is a high figurehead in the Dexcon hierarchy pretty much everything goes through him like all the approval for game slots and things like that and submittance of stuff there's a kind of like a small committee that work together on it but truth be told I really don't do too much of the lore it's been going for about 21 years now so it's definitely an established local con. Again, I can only assume that most of its origins is steeped in a combination of like witchcraft, Illuminati and uh, deep dark politics or something like
0: that. I figure like Vinny is probably either like he's a mobster. He decided to go into board games because it's really lucrative, but he's also behind the scenes and no one knows who he is. Either that or I'm convinced that it's a it's a it looks like a big shadowy figure and a big uh, trench coat, but it's really a bunch of little kids under that.
1: <laughs> it's actually 16 squirrels <laughs> sweet <laughs> and a schnauzer Yeah, exactly. Um, for what it's worth if there is any board game cons that are either ran by or have influence from the mob I want to go there so please let us know immediately because that would be phenomenal
0: <laughs> <laughs> well uh, just to let you know we're going to have a Orleans tournament and if you win you get a copy of the game if you lose we will take out your kneecaps
1: Either that or I'm just like picturing like you're about to beat somebody at the table and you're like, oh, man, I go here and I win. And just some guy in the corner just looks at you and starts shaking his head and you're like, you know what? No, I don't want to go. Back <laughs> yeah, here exactly. Here. <laughs> you hear a
0: click and you're like, um, I guess I'm throwing the game now. You come home with
1: bruises from all the gun muscles constantly put against you. You're like, God damn it.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: But yeah, man, it's, um, it's really good because the one thing that's always killer about these cons is they're 96 hours nonstop. Wow! So no
0: sleep till Brooklyn, huh? Yeah,
1: and it, yeah, pretty much, man. It's it's good stuff because it's like this year we actually we spent the night out in Jersey, and when we left, games were going on. When we came back the next day, games were going on. No, there's always like a little something going on. As you can guess, at around like three and four in the morning, it's not as active as it could be. What you gotta but, be kidding me? <laughs> but the option for it to still be active is what's entertaining. That's cool. You know? Yeah, and it was really good stuff. Um, this year, I decided to. Try something different. I only signed up for a couple of games that were totally foreign to me. Everything else I signed up for is uh, I wanted to get a mix of things that I was familiar with that I haven't played for a while and games that I own that I've never opened yet.
0: (laughs) Nice. I didn't realize they had 210 games at that convention.
1: That's cool. They did, but because of my time sliding, I wasn't able to get into all of them. (laughs) However, I did get into a few. So I figured this. uh, A couple of the games... I played, you know, we already mentioned on previous uh, episodes and stuff like that. So I figured I will just kind of rattle off a little of what I was playing and if something sounds particularly cool to you, let me know. Everything else, I'll just throw a little one-liner and just to give you a teaser and see if you want to hear more. So first night of the con, like they're Thursday, it starts pretty late, like it's like a 6 p.m. startup time, uh, you know, for like the badges and everything on Thursday night because it goes until like Sunday about 6 or 7. So Sunday night, uh, did a little bit of some rolling writing we did crisscross we did um a little welcome to things like that uh also railroad ink you know just like having fun like keeping it like light and casual first organized game i got into was near and far the red raven story-esque style game and everything it was you know which was pretty good interesting playing with strangers because everyone was playing slightly differently which was pretty entertaining oh that's cool Yeah, like one dude never left town. His whole goal was to see if he can win without ever leaving town. Nice. And he did pretty good. He actually got second place. So I was like, that's pretty neat. Like, I never thought of that as a strategy. It's like, I'm an adventurer. You know what? Scratch that. Adventurers get hurt. I'm staying here forever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's the, the, shoot, why can't I think of it? What's the reference to people that, like, stay in all the time and don't go out? What? Like, a hermit. A hermit, yes. There you go. There you go.
1: <laughs> he has agoraphobia he wasn't fond of open spaces he's like no town is where i live right? yeah exactly
0: he's uh, like obviously there's lots of gold and stuff out there but also i don't want to get eaten up by whatever else is out there so no thank you
1: so um so the next thing that happened was we were supposed to check out the king's abbey however a little bit of traffic and a slightly late departure made sure that we did not arrive in time for the king's abbey this is when we got to play some of the like play of wind games one of the one to of wind games was embark I already own that, and that's actually a great little game, and we're gonna be looking at that in a little more in a couple of weeks. But every single person that ever looked at embark why I was killing this time slot, I was like, I'll play it with you, and if I win it, I'll just give it to you. And they were like, Okay, so <laughs> I played Embark like three times. Did you win any of those games? We actually uh one of the play to win games uh was actually Swordcrafters, which we spoke about a few episodes back uh with Adam and Apple's game. And Howard won that, which makes it even better. And Kim had a chance to win. This is what terrible. This game was bad enough that I can't truly remember the name, which is even worse. <laughs> Picture this. And it's an idea that sounds like a good idea, and it probably should have stayed as just an idea. You know, you know I really like card battling games and stuff like that, yeah. right? So it's actually like a card battling game that uses a board. And you're actually setting up like different regions where you can have fortifications, troops, and like unique leaders and such, mm-hmm. right? And the game comes with like a werewolf faction, a gilded faction, and whatever the hell the third one was. We didn't even look. Um, this was a game that we won, by the way, to which Kim said, I don't want to bring that home at all. Uh- so, <laughs> but here's the thing with the game. First of all, it comes with three gigantic player boards. Now, when I say gigantic, I mean these player boards are probably bigger than your standard board game board. I have no
0: idea why they were so huge. So was it like a menu, like from like Denny's or something?
1: Kind of, like like basically a little bigger than I would say like the board of Orleans for each player. Yeah, wow. Right? So me and Kim have these gigantic boards that are hanging off both ends of the table in front of us. And we're like, this is awkward. <laughs> and it's just to put your cards on for the rows. I'm like... They did not need to make this board. But here's what's even weirder. This army card game thing, you can buy boosters for. And when I say boosters, I mean like Magic the Gathering boosters. Like there's rarities and total randomization for a board game. Hmm. Yeah, that I've never heard of before. We were the only people that played it in the Play to Win, mind you. That's why we won it. Yeah. Nobody else even touched this box. <laughs> We couldn't even, we were just like, boosters for a board game? What? Why? And like, so Kim was just like, just on a lark, let's look online. And it's like a box of boosters, MSRP, $100. We have it in clearance for $28. Oh, because Jesus. nobody can sell it. Yeah, it was weird. And it was an okay game. It was by no means amazing, though. Yeah. So the next day rolled on. And then, oh, I'm sorry, we are on the next day. And that's when we missed out on the Teehee t- King's Abbey also got to play uh samara the little weird time manipulation game from tmg have you heard of that one i've never heard of that it's this really weird concept of like there's all these different ranks of tools and buildings and you're basically sliding a time track along like you're moving your characters along on the timeline and then whoever's most clos- closest to the present which is the beginning of the track gets to go next so like if my move takes two months and then you go and your move takes four months, I will be going next. But if your move only took one month, you would be going next. It's really weird. It's part of that TMG line, kind of like um, Embark and Arzal Chemica. TMG has these kind of like half box games lately.
0: Yeah, kind of like a medium sized game to play.
1: Yeah, and you know, the, their prices reflect reflected. They're usually between like uh, 25 and $40. Tomorrow is okay. I'm kind of glad I got to play it. And if I never play it again, somehow I'll still be able to sleep at night.
0: <laughs> I like, uh, I'm looking at some of the pictures. I kind of like the, the track with the, with the months. That's kind of a neat uh, look.
1: Yeah. it's it, Like I said, it's interesting. And then you can like, one of the things you can do is basically take a vacation, which pulls all your workers in the present to where one of your workers is in the future to do like a stronger action and things like that. It has cool ideas, but it, it just kind of like, it felt a little clunky and the end was kind of like anticlimactic.
0: Mm. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I hate that because it's like, okay, so we're, we're pushing, we're pushing this game into an ending where it's just like,
1: eh. Yeah, exactly. It's like, we kind of knew who was going to win and it, it's like a victory point by building uh, ending. Mm-hmm. So when somebody has a stack of buildings, yeah, I know exactly. The dog knows exactly how I feel about this. <laughs> Because when somebody has a stack of buildings and you have five and the person next to you has four, it's already over. Even though... <laughs> he
0: wow! Really he knew that. it. He knew it. He was like, "It's over. I can't take it anymore." Yeah.
1: Come here, Poppy. Okay. So as I was saying, so it's like when somebody has a stack of buildings and you have five and the person next to you has four, you're just kind of like, "Well, even if we combine our scores, we both still lose. Why do we need these last four buildings to go away?" Okay, so it's not even like an easy fix for that person to take those last few buildings, or even for you two, because you're gonna have to make sure you get in the time track and then bring the people up to the proper spot. So it's just kind of like, okay, we already lost. Like, can we just lose faster, please? Like, you know. Like, <laughs> but we, but the fun, we were actually it was really fun because it was me, Kim, Howard, and Howard's on Zach. So we were just like making jokes and cracking wise the entire time. So that made it fine. Like. Like we knew Zach won, so we we're at least having fun with it as opposed to going like, uh, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it was a little weird. That was that was actually the closure for that day. That day. Oh, and I'm uh, oh, sorry, I may have left one other thing out. There was an Orleans tournament, and you are now talking to the king of Orleans, Kurt.
0: Oh, so so because you won one tournament at Dream Action, you are the king of all Orleans, huh?
1: Pretty much, I have a three dollar trophy that says it. So you know, <laughs> it's weird. It <laughs> it just
0: says Orleans Champion. It doesn't seem King of all all Orleans. It's weird. Well,
1: that's because I didn't get it engraved yet. I'm gonna easily replace that little plate and get a better
0: plate. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, so be, you're, you you're, you're gonna you're gonna be like, oh, can I get this nameplate? That'll be three hundred dollars. Oh, <laughs> totally worth it on this three dollar trophy. <laughs>
1: So until you get a $4 trophy that says, I'm not the King of Orleans, I'm going to go by that title. So Sweet. <laughs> I, I was sold I became borderline insufferable as soon as I won, which is pretty much all I really want out of life. So <laughs> <laughs> so that day ended gloriously with uh, the rightful heir in his place. And then the next day began. And the, the start of the next day was actually great because it was Crusaders Thy Will Be Done.
0: Now, I've heard a lot of really good things about this game.
1: Yeah, um, it's actually the thing that's funny is it's lighter than you would think looking at it because you look at it and you're like oh my god there's like a million things happening here there's mm. really not um, it's basically like a rondelle mechanism with all the actions like linked to the rondelle, like moving crusading, uh, mustering more troops and things like that it's it's a pretty easy play uh, definitely like a mid weight euro like I would say even like borderline light Kim learned to play it in like five minutes the other night. It, it's pretty good it's like a simple like basically you're you're running out you're trying to take down like different um there's three different factions of enemies more like two of them grow in power every time they're defeated which is like almost an odd concept because usually in armies when their numbers get cut down they get weakened not stronger but i guess they're highlanders because that's you know that makes more sense as to why you get stronger whenever one of them dies <laughs> And then the third faction is they're always a strength six. So they're like a little hard to beat in the beginning, but they will grant you uh, boons when you defeat them, like free buildings or upgrading your troops more and stuff like that. The big thing in the game that's really interesting, though, is there's like asymmetrical knights. There's 10 different knights to choose from. So that mixes up the game a bit. Um, The rondelle is not always the same positioning. Like you randomize the rondelle tiles. So it'll always be like a little different, like, you know, from game to game. Simple area control, like you know, you wanna you wanna try to take out the troops and try to build as often as possible to maximize your points. This the end of the game is another little weird thing. There's a pool of points based on player, like I think at four player it's 240 or 260. Once that pool is emptied, that signifies the last round of the game. So it's not like when X enemies are defeated or when somebody builds their like 16th building or something, it's when this pool of points runs out so it's a little something to keep your eye on because you're used to most of those games where it's like oh the first to build 10 building wins or if you defeat 10 enemies you win this could be almost anywhere like the end that and the ending can come up a lot sooner than you expect based on how people play out their rounds Mm -hmm. but very pretty game i like i definitely liked it a lot we we picked up the crusaders uh deluxified when it was on kickstarter Part of the reason why I signed up for Crusaders was I'm like, well, if I don't really like this game, I'll just put the Deluxified on, on for sale or something.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: we ended up opening it up when I got home because it was that good. Nice. Also played some Space Base. That's that's another one I've heard a lot of good things about too. Yeah. When you come to visit New York, uh, we'll have to swing by Howard's and play the game because it's it's dubbed the Machi Koro Killer, hmm. which I can I can see that moniker. It's, um, it's a little more interesting than Machi Koro. Also like a little... It's weird. It's, like, both more complex and simpler. Simpler because <laughs> you actually have a ship set up where everything's lined up with what goes off. Mm-hmm. But certain things will, like, trigger differently in this game. Like, some of the actual, like, trigger mechanisms are more complex than Machikoro. Like, some of the ships are, you have to roll this number, like, twice to build up power to use its ability because its ability is really sick. You know, and then other yeah. things just, oh, like, whenever you roll this number, you just get this money or get these victory points. But it was pretty fun. Uh, that was one of the play-to-win games that I also did not win. Got to play Spring Meadow, the trilogy from the UA Rosenberg uh, line. I guess the best word I can describe this game is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to use the standard system review, No Stars would not play again. I was just very unimpressed. I think of the whole trilogy, I think the... Um, Indian summer was probably the the better of the three. Yeah. So Spring Meadow, to to quote a very wise man, I wish I had more hands so I can give this game four thumbs down. (laughs) Somebody gifted me London uh, a little while back, and I finally got to play London, which was nice.
0: Well, it's about time you played that game, but not the one that I gave you.
1: I know, but now I know how to play the one that you got me, and we can do that.
0: (laughs) So what did you think of it? Did I make a good purchase?
1: You did. It's it's a very interesting game of you're building like stacks of buildings in your city. And when you, the way that you really generate anything in this game, cause you're going to notice you're always going down in like money and options, mm-hmm. but you have to run your city, but doing so creates poverty. So you like, you're going to want to have some things in your city to help combat the poverty that you are generating as you're running your city and all these things. In addition, like there's like different parts of these cities that you can buy that will, Give you modifiers like they'll help you draw some cards or you know like trigger out like reduce some uh poverty every time you run your city and everything it's a very interesting engine builder howard enjoyed it too zach played with us as well i think zach won that one too pretty much like so all right the easiest way to describe uh howard's kid zach is if you're playing a game with zach you're fighting for second place. That's, <laughs> <laughs> this guy is good at games. Man. Wow, he's, he's and that's really that's a lot
0: coming from you because you always seem the seemed to be the guy that's you know pulling out a lot of wins and stuff.
1: Yeah, well, me and Howard are like borderline fifty-fifty against each other in our wins and losses. Zach trounces both of us. Like you know, he's just the the, the ace in the hole. So, mm-hmm.
0: so, so when you when you get a win against him, are you like I am the king? Besides the Orleans win.
1: I don't know. Well, he didn't play in the Orleans tournament, so thank God. <laughs> I, would, I would have to throw him in a burlap sack. <laughs> I'll let you free in a few hours. Just don't yell. Don't yell. I swear to you. <laughs> so, but, um, but going back to London, yeah, man, it's um, it's visually very nice. The style. It's a game of very tight decisions. It, it's like the first time or two you play it, you might get a little burned because you're like, I did something wrong, but I don't know what. Hmm. But when you see somebody running efficiently, that's sh- then you instantly realize, oh, I have too much of this, not enough of that. Mm. And, again, we were all playing it differently. Like, the person at the table that played it, like, three or four times, he was only going for, like, one or two city stacks because he didn't want to create too much of the poverty. I had, like, six. <laughs> but I actually got second place, so it wasn't too shabby. Like, nice. Because the guy's like, oh, man, you're too reckless with this. You know, that's going to blow up in your face. Not really. You know, I just was very light in how often I triggered out my city runs.
0: Yeah. So the theme of this game, does it play in a certain time period or is that not even really that, that important in this game?
1: Yeah, the concept is it's after the fires in London and you're like rebuilding the city. Mm. And like hence like the poverty and everything because it's to show like so many people were like displaced during this time and you're rebuilding all these structures. That's like why you're building all these things to the city. But yeah, I mean thematic like like the one thing I'll say is this like the thematic grab, it's very easy to fall off of you while you're playing this. Mm. You know, you're not necessarily like, Oh yes, I must I must help these people rebuild what they once had. <laughs> you know, you're just kinda like, God damn man, I need money. What what buildings do I need for money?
0: Yeah. You know. I wonder if this would be a good uh topic for another episode, but it's like You know, I wonder if playing most games, and sometimes I I see myself when I play a lot of games too, like there's a lot of theming games on it, and I feel like that I don't think of them when I play the game. I think, okay, what what strategy do I need to get to get to the end of this or, you know, to do certain things during my turn, you know, where I wonder if there are, you know, a handful of games that are those ones that every time you play it, you're like, obviously, it's the theme is sticks with you every time, you know, it feels like there might be a lot of games that don't.
1: Oh, God. That, it's actually... This is a really good thing, and uh, I'm going to take a slight deviation here. I'm wondering if that's why fantasy games work so well. Mm. Because when you play historic things, you know, it's, it's very easy to forget about the historic things because of the engines you're running or the method of the game. But when you're playing fantasy, and, you know, very rarely when you play, like, fantasy-style games, you say red cube, blue cube, whatever, it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to go fight these orcs. Yeah. You know, or stuff like that. And I wonder if that's why those games sometimes... Is such an easy choice to use because fantasy just sticks easier for some reason in the theme yeah that's true so also along that day that's when we got to play swordcrafters the game that howard won later so that Ooh, was nice. pretty fun i i will say this uh generally i'm not a fan of the i cut you choose game mechanic i always found them like um for myself just personally lackluster mm-hmm. swordcrafters was actually a game where i didn't mind it
0: nice well, it's got it's got a it's got a unique, it's it's more unique I think in that where I can't specify it to tell you the truth, but it feels like when you do the eye cut you choose thing, like you can cut it into a bunch of different spots where a lot of these games you don't. It's usually like you cut into two spots and that's it. Where in this game you can cut into a, you know, depending on how many players you you can cut into a bunch of different spots.
1: And and that's the thing. I think the thing that I like about this one is because like when you play New York Slice, it's the classic. I'm gonna divide everything, but I pick last. You know, Swordcrafters. Every player at the table makes one cut. So first player gets the first pick out of those cut pieces. And and if anyone's curious about this thing, it's basically it starts out with a four by four grid of tiles. So whenever you make cuts, it has to be straight lines. So you can make it two sets of eight, or you can make it a set of 12 and a set of four. You know, it's like you're literally just separating solid lines. And every player at the table makes a cut. So what's cool is one cut always goes back to the box, like whatever's not picked. But the thing that's really interesting is the first player is only going to get an amazing stack of tiles if every other player lets that happen. Like nobody can... It's very hard to rig it for yourself. You do have to still be like, you know, make good tactical choices. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, of all the like I Cut You Choose games, I think that was a top for me. And plus the fact that you're using like these giant 3D swords that look like they're out of Minecraft doesn't hurt either.
0: Yeah. And it's funny, too, because like it should be one of those things and no offense to Adam's Apple games and stuff like that, but it should be a game that should just be gimmicky and just not work. And that's it. But it really works well, which is weird because when you see something like that, you're like, like the first thing I thought when, you know, when he talked about that, when I saw it before we talked to him, I was like, God, that sounds awesome. But it could be really, it could be really bad, you know?
1: So now here's the other thing about the game too. When we played it, nobody took it off the table prior to us. We had so much damn fun with that game. Full disclosure here, it was very juvenile. But when talking about the scoring, it's like not only is the color of your sword important, but the length of your sword is important. So of course we're all laughing, mm-hmm. right? It's like how can we not? <laughs> we're, we're giant children, and it was five of us playing, right? And uh, Mike's, you know, Mike's uh, girlfriend Julie was like, "Oh God!" Every time we were making these jokes, and all of us were doing it, even Howard, which it made it, it made my heart sing to see him sing to such humor, <laughs> but as we're making these swords and everything, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, like we're like behold and like holding the blade up and it's like the true king of Scotland and, and like the rest of the con, people were coming up to us like, what was that weird sword game you guys were playing? That was so like, you know, you guys were go, going crazy with that stuff. And we're like, yeah, you know, and in turn, more and more people started playing it. And then Howard saw how many people like, you know, kept filling out tags for that one for the play to win. And he's like, you know, I think our folly was that we had too much fun with it, and now Ooh. people are going to try to win it.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But Howard won it, so you know, in all their faces. Um, <laughs> the last game of that night was Exodus Fleet, which uh, I purchased. A rumor has it I purchased it even a year ago today. <laughs> uh, that thing was on my shelf for a while. Once again, TMG because I love their stuff. I played a lot of God damn! Did I play a lot of TMG
0: games over this weekend? Yeah, no kidding. Jeez, are you just are you, are you their PR guy now?
1: I'm their shell. <laughs> Shower me with gifts and coins, please. So Excess Fleet is one of those games that has hit, hit uh cool stuffs. This is on clearance once a month for about fifteen dollars. Games
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're going to see it cheap a lot. Here's the here's the synopsis it has like a touch of the race for the galaxy slash Puerto Rico deal where there's roles and each person is going to choose one of those roles. They trigger better than everyone else, but everyone else can follow suit and do that thing as well. Mm. The difference is in this one, you have ships that will have limited space and you're going to, you know, use that to like transport goods or passengers and you're going to want those goods to build more ships or, you know, and things like that. So, it's an interesting like system of like this ship can hold these nine ob, like nine items. Like, you know, it can only hold up to nine things. So you got to choose wisely. And when you want to build a ship, make sure you have the things that you need. And like you go mining on planets to get things, different ships, like a lot of those games, like Puerto Rico's buildings or race for the galaxy developments and such. When you build the other ships will give you new powers. Like, Oh, every time you go mining, take a free iron or Oh, during the buy phase, you know, the trade phase, you can uh, take two extra dollars or something like that. So it has a lot of familiar parts. It feels almost like TMG's like hat into that whole like role selection style game. It's by no means bad. It's not like the greatest game ever, but it's definitely decent. And I got it for a hell of a lot more than fifteen dollars. Like we got it when I was in the city, so I paid like three and a half thousand dollars for it. But, yeah, I would, I would say it's definitely worth a play. Like, give it a spin, see what you think. It's a decent title. I think it just, whenever it came out, it was not a good time, and it got overlooked. And that's the one thing I, w- I will say. Uh, the TMG deluxified games, right? Like Crusader and Yokohama and Orleans and stuff like that. You hear about those games. But the games like Arzal Alchemica and Embark and Exodus Fleet, you kind of don't. And it seems like unless it's one of their super deluxified Kickstarter games, certain TMG games just kind of like really get overlooked. I mean, it's something that I'm sure there's reasons. I don't know what they are, but for however it works, that's what, you know, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Then also uh, the next day, oh yeah, and the one thing that was pretty fun is uh, I got to spend some time with uh, Steve Finn of Dr. Finn Games. Nice. So, yeah, he, it's always a blessing to I him, and hes is, he is such a cool cat. I really enjoy my time with him. We got to help check out the early stages and the next of the Biblios line. It, it looks great. I can't wait to see where he goes with it. I really enjoy Biblios. Biblios Dice is pretty cool, too. Very curious for this next iteration, and um, hopefully once it's on Kickstarter, I'll, I'll go for two copies so you can get in on this because it's fun stuff. Nice. We also, and the reason I mentioned the doctrine games is we got to play a Cosmic Run Regeneration. So the whole thing with the Cosmic Run Regeneration is it's basically, it's a dice rolling game, right? Like a little of that push your luck dice system. And you're trying to do different sets of things to advance along different planets. Like the like the one planet, every one will get you one step closer. The last planet, it's as long as the numbers are not the same. So you can use like a two three four, but not like a 2 2 six or whatever. And then the other planets are like pairs, like two of a kind, three of a kind, four of a kind. What's cool is it's like, you know, you're allocating your dice to like adventure ship along these tracks. And it's it's much akin to Agricola, Kurt. You kind of start out at like negative eight or negative 15 or whatever. That's <laughs> like, sweet. Yeah. And, you know, you want to ultimately get to those positive points along those tracks. The thing that makes it interesting is, and there's a couple of exciting things, like there's a little bit of set collection, there's these alien cards that can help you out. Like So there's like a lot of variable. It's not just like a straight out dice game. But the, the clock in the game is there's a deck of cards of basically asteroids smashing into these planets and they will annihilate these planets. So you score the planets either when somebody reaches them and, like, they fully discover it. I'm like, that's neat. Or when it blows up and then it's never going to be seen again. And you're yeah. like, well, that was sad.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> right before I went, like, you know, Kim flips over the card, blows up the planet, the only planet that I had a chance of discovering. I'm like, there went a lot of points. <laughs> But yeah it's um it's pretty cool it's like the piece it's kind of funny like because the pieces are like blocky like blocks of wood with the ships drawn on i was like okay you know but i mean it keeps the cost down so it's like because i was originally i was like oh man why not miniatures or something and i'm like the cost of this game yeah all right no miniatures is fine it actually works a lot better but it was it was pretty fun i like the press your luck things um once again it's a chance for everyone to roll better than i do (laughs) (laughs) but i I, and it was great, because like, the planet where uh, you didn't have to, the number six planet, where you don't make pairs, because I was always rolling all over the place. I was flying up that track, and then whammy, kablammy, a meteor hits it. And I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> <laughs> so much for that dream. Yeah, but.
0: called Race for Destruction.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> pretty much. <laughs>
1: but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, like the alien like the alien cards that help you out, and then you can cash them in. This is another thing that I thought was really interesting too, actually. I just want to throw this in there. So there's like a little spot on the board that shows the cash-in cards, like two the same, three different, four different. And then there's three sets of victory points. Anytime a player claims that, there's like little chips that match the board that you cover up that victory point thing with. So say, like, the pairs, it's, like, 10, 8, 6. The first person that it will do, it gets 10 points, and then you cover it. So now it can only be done twice more throughout the game. Hmm. And, the, yeah, and the points go down. I was like, instead of these stacks of chits where, you know, like, oh, put that pile here, and, I, oh, wait, I think that pile goes over here. I was like, that's actually way easier, just have it on the board and cover them up mm-hmm. instead of having to stack them up and dispense them out to people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's another one of those simple solutions for things that you see in games all the time. And then now somebody has done it that way. And I'm like, huh, why is it not like that?
0: All yeah, it should be like that right. for everybody. Yeah, right. We're recording this a, a couple of weeks after you've been to Dreamation. And you told me a little, about, a little bit about this game. And even before that, I had actually seen a few things online about it. I think uh, What's Eric Playing and stuff like that had kind of talked about it and how much they liked it and stuff like that. And being a fan of Herbaceous, and that's the only game that we've had from Drifin, and that's the only one we've ever played so far – you kind of talking about it a little bit more before we recorded, I was like, gosh, I really want to play this game. So we actually ordered a copy. We haven't played it yet, but we have it here. So eventually we'll get it to the table. And it's cool that it seems very easy to play. Plus it's a one-player game. So it'd be kind of fun if no one wants to play a game. I'd be like, hey, I can try it out myself.
1: Yeah. It, and that's the thing that I love about too. It's like, uh, and it plays pretty quick too, which is nice. Like the mm-hmm. the way the deck is structured so like when I was mentioning about the planets blowing up, it's not just like flip over this card and like number six planet gets hit. It actually has three number planets on it. So it's like six gets hit. But if six is blown up or discovered, four gets hit. Oh, and if four is blown up or discovered, one gets hit. Mm. So it's like every planet has a fifty fifty of, you know, taking something. Nice. And yeah, so it's like the clock definitely makes you feel the pressure. You're like, I'm like oh my god, I gotta you know, like like roll better noob, like to yourself, you know. <laughs> and uh and i will throw this out there too if um if you're new to the the dr finn games biblios is a fantastic press your luck game it's a very small box
0: Yeah, i keep i keep hearing it i keep hearing about that too and i just keep forgetting to get it eventually you'll probably have to get a copy
1: i think we'll have to play it when you make your little trip to new york right in a couple weeks there buddy very nice (laughs) or by the time this episode releases maybe you'll be in the car on your way yeah maybe who Uh knows so outside of that we got to do a little bit of key forge oh, always a good time. We basically it was great because Kim got me a like a sealed box as an anniversary gift because that's what happened when nerds marry nerds and um, so it was like just six of us like you know sat down at one of the tables on one of the days and we just all broke out packs and just started playing against each other. Uh, super fun. And then the other game that we got to play that day and this was actually like a little side game that was like you know we saw a vendor on the side, he has a game called Cauldron for sale. Uh, it's from Magic Circle Games, and the the other part too is like you know on the uh, BGG site, the designer is Anthro Rob, which I'm assuming is just his handle. So here's the thing. So Cauldron, uh, here's why we went over to check it. The art was the art is pretty whimsical, pretty interesting. There's little plastic cauldrons that each player gets. They look almost like things that you get out of the dollar store, but they work, and The cards are multi-purpose, which is something I always enjoy in games. Now, the way the cauldron works is cards have three parts. They either have, like, up top, there's what they get when you plant them in the garden. Because you have to, like, grow your own ingredients, like, you know, your, your mandrake and your moss and stuff like that to add to your cauldron. The second part of the cards is the hexes. And these are, like, the spells that you'll be casting in the game. And these are all your, like, little rule breakers. Like, I might steal something from you or get an extra harvest phase or whatever but some spells and casting a certain amount of spells starts adding corruption to your cauldron. And the corruption really messes with you at the end game. The last thing is on the bottom, there's all these recipes and there are all the elixirs that you're making for people. Like, you know, to cure what else and such. Now, during the game, the, the phases are actually pretty easy. It's like it starts out, you know, you can cast a spell, then you harvest your garden. Now, these are the things that are weird about this game. When you harvest, literally take all the cubes off your little garden spots and drop them in your cauldron. You can never look inside your cauldron. Hm. You just kind of got to remember, right? It and does. you also got to pay attention to what everyone else is doing. Then, like you know, like I said, whenever you're casting these hexes and everything, some more corruption will go in there. But all your your recipes that you're making, like say you're making like you know like a like uh, f- like flame heart elixir, like for bravery or something, like it might need like. Two green cubes, and a yellow cube, and, like, two red cubes or something. And it'll tell you how many victory points it has on it. You're going to slide that under the cauldron. You can never look at those, like, those things. The concept is you're the witch that's creating these. You should know what you're making. (laughs) So it's, like, a little bit of memory, right? So you're sliding things under your cauldron, and the game trigger is actually when there's seven potions, like, seven recipes, I should say, underneath somebody's cauldron. Or when two of all the ingredients have been completely removed from the middle of the board. Right? So, very easy endgame conditions. Now, at the end, you're going to dump out your cauldron and you're going to start like lining up the cubes to all of your recipes. But every corruption that you took eats an ingredient. So, you have to match cubes one to one for your corruption. So, you know, you're like, oh man, I really want to make this potion, but I don't have enough cubes because I, I got too greedy with that magic. And it's like, and there's tons of scoring it's like whoever like you get points for having the most of the gradient um points for having the most corruption the least corruption um you know like all these things like that like the potions themselves and stuff it's it's a pretty it's like around like a midway it's not overly involving the playtime is actually pretty nice i would say like our first time playing everyone brand new was like about an hour for three of us hmm. the next time we played 45 minutes but there's just something about this game i've played it like four or five times already and me and kim love it at two player we play we like it at four player at three player like it does no additional players really seem to make it track and like i said it's just it's it's a perfect example of one of these games that was just on the side of the con it's very easy to overlook those you know because like you're like oh i don't know how well it's tested whatever we haven't found anything broken in the game yet. Like, there's nothing that seems way too strong or not strong enough as of yet. It it is very solid. The this is my only gripe. And um, and if we do get the Anthro Rob on an upcoming episode, I would love to ask him about this. You know, like there's like little expansion packs, and like it was originally a Kickstarter game, but all the expansion packs, it's like oh, like this thing is eight bucks and this thing is eight bucks, but it almost becomes like the cost of the game when you're getting these four or five little separate packs and I'm just like, wouldn't it be great if you can just have one box with all of those things for like $20, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, instead of like picking and choosing and like Kim loved it, you know, like aesthetically and style. And he was, you know, selling it at a discount at the con. So I'm like, fine, whatever, let's just get everything. But for, for somebody that as of yet, I don't believe, uh, he has any additional titles under his belt, right? Mm-hmm. The little side expansions, it's, it's all optional module things. And they're actually really good, which again, is it's kind of like almost like uh, how people feel about, you know, like with Gloomhaven or like some of these other Kickstarters where you're like, oh my God, like this is this guy's like first or second game. Like, how did he get it so right? Because one of the expansions is like the cycles of the moon where it's actually a deck of the phases of the moon that will keep changing and it's like it's you know like to show like time passing in the game but it changes how things happen every time and what's nice is if you know the cards much like if you're like you know say moon wizard like you know mages or witches or something you'll know what's coming up like I know the waiting in the moon will do this I can put this in my favor which is awesome and like one of the other expansions is all these like little asymmetrical witches, right? And they're on like tarot size cards. He's like, oh yeah, you know, you can deal them out to everybody and just play with them and that's who you are. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. He's like, or you can put them in the middle and you're trying to win them to your coven. And if you look down here on the bottom, this is what you have to do to win them over, to impress them, to make them join you. And then you can start using them. I'm like, that's freaking awesome. Mm. Like, that's a great idea. Like, Like, oh, be this person or recruit this person. Like, you don't have to be these people if you don't want to that's really cool and then there's also like familiar cards and then there's item cards and all these different things and then one of my favorites is there's a deck of variable scoring cards so it changes up rules in the game so like normally at the end of the game you don't lose any points if you didn't create like create the uh the potion but you also didn't get any because you didn't create that potion some of the variable scoring cards are like oh like waste not want not whoever has the most cubes after making potions loses seven points because you took so much more than you needed nice like that's cool (laughs) like like another one is like um wasted knowledge or something where it's like every potion that you don't complete you lose four additional points so it's like if you're trying to race the game because you're like oh i'm just gonna win and you only make two of those potions you just lost 20 points now you lost I'm like, all of this is awesome, man. Like it's, it's so good. And this is a game that is going to be criminally overlooked because it doesn't have like 55 minis and 45, uh, variable things that you can get on it on Kickstarter.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, that's unfortunate for them, but it's fortunate for the people that actually play it. You know, like I just looked at it on BGG just cause I was curious and the, the art looks amazing. Like they really put a lot of work into the art, which it looks beautiful. And having those little cauldrons with the little cubes to put in it, like that's a great idea.
1: Yeah. And and like, that's the other thing with the art too. Like it's so, I can't even really describe it well on air because it doesn't look like any other game. It has like a semi-realistic look, but still like vaguely cartoony, but it's just very well done.
0: Yeah, it almost looks you like know? a like like the cards themselves and stuff like that that I've seen, like almost look like a like a movie poster almost.
1: Yeah, right. It's like and and of course, like, by the way, I'm just like looking at one of the things on the um, the BGG. My, one of my favorite potions is love
0: potion number eight. You know, <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's like the one that just quite didn't get up to par.
1: Yeah. You know, it's like you got to have failures to get success, man. That's how it yeah, goes.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know.
1: But it, it is, like I said, it is one, to me. It's one of those games that I am seriously enjoying this game. And uh, one other little bit, all the cubes on the bottom of the ingredient cards, they'll actually note the colors. Like you know, like um, so say it's like two yellow, a red, and a green. It actually has Ys in the yellows, Rs in the red, and G in the greens. So even if like somebody has like a hard time with, with some of the colors or a little bit of colorblindness, people can put the like you know like do the cubes for them into the cauldron per se and they can still kind of keep track of what they need mentally because of the
0: lettering on the bottom is it on the bottom of the bottom of the cards you said
1: yeah on the bottom of the cards like it'll like you'll actually see the letter like the red cubes have an r inside of them the green cubes have a g inside of them it's like a little something to help
0: yeah it's funny because i almost thought of what a what a good idea would have been actually is if they would have made a little bit of an impression on the cubes themselves, that would have made it easier.
1: And you know what that that's something that possibly could have been like a Kickstarter stretch goals on the road or something because the cubes are just base out straight like, you know, um whatever it is like eight millimeter. Or yeah, whatever just the ones you see is.
0: in like yeah in your standard games like Lords Waterdeep etc. Yeah, exactly. So
1: you know. But uh, like I said, man, it, it's, it's definitely, when I got it, just being like totally level honest, I was like, it's like, goddamn, I really don't want this to be another thing. We blow
0: 60 bucks on it and it never gets played. Yeah, that part's tough. Yeah, and as
1: soon as we played it, I kind of went to Kim and I'm like, you want to play it again? And she's like, do you want to play it again? I'm like, yeah, yeah, kind of a bit now, right now, because I lost bad. And, <laughs> and then it was so great, because the next game, Kim destroyed herself because for some reason, I guess she just forgot yellow existed. So, so.
0: (laughs) in her world, yellow is not a thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So at the end, we're all putting together potions, and she's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, what's the matter? And I'm I'm like, what are you freaking out about? And she's like, I got one yellow cube. One. I'm like, so, and she's like, I need it for everything. <laughs> so,
0: she was so pissed off. Yeah. I, I see this game as being something very hard for me because I am very bad with memory stuff sometimes. So uh, I feel like it's going to be like, oh, what was in that? I don't know.
1: Yeah. They do note for the intro game, uh, you can keep your potions face off if you want to make it friendly. If yeah. you want to
0: be nice. Yeah, it's probably going to be, I'm going to have to have a handicap on every every one of those games.
1: Yeah, right? You're like, can I start with three of each color, please? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, this, this is something I can't wait for when you come and visit, because I really want to play this. I really want to get your thoughts on it.
0: Yeah. I, I have a feeling everybody would like that. I feel like that would be something even Logan would like, because it would be aesthetically pleasing, and I bet you he would really dig it.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm actually uh, – I want to see if he sells it directly on his site. Though this sounds kind of beggary-ish – I'm tempted to see if I can maybe get one for a few bucks off from him, and then bring it and just donate it to Hex, the uh, the board game cafe out of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Because, um, like I said, I, it's something that I think once people start playing, they're they're gonna dig. It's the thing is you got it. People need to see it at the table first. But uh, you know what? At Dexcon, who knows? Maybe I'll run a cauldron event. Maybe. So and uh, so. That pretty much wraps up all the games of the con. Just a couple of other quick highlights. Met a lot of awesome people. Had really good times with things. I saw I saw the shadowy uh, Lord of <laughs> uh, Lord of Waterdeep, Vinnie, for a few moments. He was actually uh, in some of the Orleans games. Nice. The auction was. The auction is one of my favorite parts of local cons. Like this year, I'm actually shocked. I uh, I picked up almost nothing. I got one game. I picked up Gears and Piston for five bucks. I saw black orchestra on the table for auction and whoever put it there never filled out their paperwork. So it never went up for bid. I was like, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, you know, everything, it was really cool. Really nice crowds as always really good times. Met a lot of pretty cool, like, you know, like really cool people and stuff like that. I found out about some more like local meetup groups. Uh, Unfortunately they're all in Jersey and my job is a nightmare beast. So I can never get out on time to get there. But yeah, all in all, really good times, man. I
0: really enjoyed it. That's cool. So is there, you know, this being your third time around, you know, is there things that you've learned now that you've been, you've gone to this a few times now? Is there, you know, some tidbits you've taken away where it's like, like you you said, you you know, you didn't sign up for as many, you know, slots to play stuff. Is, is that the way to go? Or, you know, is there something else maybe that you're like, well, maybe I should have done this differently?
1: Um. No, you know what? It's like, it, it was nice to have the extra little breaks, um, you know, as as with every con, you know, always bring extra food and stuff like that. This con is really good with, like, providing drinks and snacks in a giant, like, central area, which is really generous to the host of the con, too. It's something that's not needed, but they do, and it's it's a really nice touch. Um, they even were, do, like, doing sandwiches, like, deli-style sandwiches um, during the auction, so which was kind of cool because, like, you know, people would be like, I want a free sandwich, and then, like, something would be up for and they're like, oh, man, I want to buy that game. So it was kind of getting, like, extra eyes on the auction and such.
0: Well, that's cool. I didn't – yeah. And it's cool that they offered it as free, too. You know, I, I thought they would be like, oh, here's, you know, just pitching five bucks or whatever, but that's awesome.
1: Yeah, and then um, – and as always, they have the – like, every time when you play the organized events, you get points. They have tables. Yeah, so – so I didn't bother to post pictures of my haul this year because, like, I walked out of there with three things. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we we did pick up uh, Rescue Polar Bears, um, which is a it's like I mentioned it before. It's like a hard as nails co op, but it's really fun, really like
0: endearing. Is that the Midday Games one? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Nice.
1: Yeah, that one was really fun. Aeon's End, which uh, is perhaps one of my new favorite deck builders, and I want to talk about that down the road. And the Gear and Pistons, so the, like those were the three things I walked out of there from. But they actually had like, may uh, put up a, a copy of Rescue Polar Bears on the prize point table. It was like you know, like twenty five points or whatever. But it was like that was really awesome. Like you know, like really good games going there. They also go really quick. Like you know, it's a reason to bank up your points and keep them in your back pocket. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, man, it's, I really, I'm really happy that this exists. Like, um, I know the highest, because like the badges, you know, the numbers, like you know, whatever number you are, is that tickets sold? The highest that I saw somebody with at this particular one was like thirteen hundred something. I don't know what their total numbers were. Like they don't really disclose it per se. Mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of games filled up. You know, the, a lot of rooms going on. They you know they still have the war games. They still got the LARPing. They still got the tables of RPGs and then, then they even have a side section with like smaller group RPGs and non Pathfinder, non D &D. and D like Pathfinder has like 15 tables on the side. And then D and D has like 25 tables in this other room. And then there's another, another side area of all the lesser RPGs. Nice. So, but yeah, it's, it's something that I I really, I'm really hoping somewhere down the road, we can have it line up where you can come and get in on either Dexcom or Dreamation. Because uh, I think for you, I think it would be the thing that makes you go, like, oh, we should probably look into moving to New York.
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's awesome. Or Betty, I've
1: moved to New Jersey, so me and Kim can crash at your place when we go to this thing. Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that was Dream twenty nineteen. 2019. Uh, already looking forward to Dream 2020. But of course, the one stop along the way, the, uh, the WrestleMania of, the, of their cons, DexCon, coming on, up on the 4th of July
0: nice that's awesome it's nice that we were able to talk about this i think you know we did it a couple of years back where we both kind of kind of hit our local cons and we're able to kind of compare and contrast like well one final thing before we before we go like how many how many attendees do you think would probably would be at that it's you know quite a bit i'm guessing
1: i, I want to say like at least 1500 wow And like I said, I mean, it's done in a hotel. I mean, it's multiple floors, multiple lobby and everything else. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot going on there. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's easily like
0: 1500 every time, which is awesome. Yeah. And does it, does it feel like it's a lot, you know, does it feel like you, you know, sometimes it's hard to get from point A to point B or is it very streamlined and very easy?
1: No, that's the thing. It's, it's always easy to get to where you got to go. Um, nice. The that's tables awesome. are very clearly numbered and they're in fixed spots. Like you're never going to be like, Oh, I don't know where to go. It's not like, it's not like you're at a football stadium or something yeah. like trying to run around and find stuff. But yeah, it's, it's like, and as always, like one of my favorite things is um, just like the LARPers. Cause like they have like a side area for a lot of the LARPing, mm-hmm. but you know, you'll go to like one of the local eatery areas, like, you know, like the sushi joint or whatever. And you'll see, you know, you can definitely tell the, the people that are like the Euro board gamers, like they even eat like it's a Euro, you know, it's like, <laughs> I want like maximum efficiency. Like, what does it cost to this, to that? And then you'll just like see somebody with like, you know, like uh, butterfly wings and a unicorn horn next mm-hmm. to them. And it's like, we're at the same place, aren't we? <laughs> yep. yep. Exactly.
0: So. We're all nerds and we're all having fun. Yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah. fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. So you know, it doesn't matter if there's you know four or five hundred people. If there's fifteen hundred, you know, going to a local con is fun because you know you can get to the games that you want to. You can have lots of good experiences, and for the most part, most of the people that are that are there are you know there to share a awesome experience just like you are. So you know, it tends to be a good time.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm telling you, it's like you know all all the big things like you know like SN, and Gen Con, and everything else. Like they're great, but this this entire con, I think we did I did it for me and Kim, and everything in total was less than three hundred. And awesome. mind you, that's including one twenty for our tickets. Yep. You know, hundred bucks in the vendor hall, about eighty bucks between like meals and coffee. That's cool. So that's not bad at all. No. For You know 96 hours like the best part is just never being told oh we're closing up you got to go now yeah so
0: you can go to bed when you want to go to bed speaking of which yep exactly
1: (laughs) feel free to reach out to us at, at MFGCast on Twitter. Yeah, I'm starting to fade. Man, just <laughs> thinking about all those games is going to be tired again. So... <laughs>
0: exactly. So that'll be it for this week. Tune in next episode where we talk to Sean Epperson from Thing 12 Games about their new Kickstarter for Dinos Not Assembled. Um, it's a fun little kids game that also can uh, skew towards adults. So we're really excited to talk to Sean again about another awesome game and this time in the family more in the family-based realm of games even though i feel like most of most of the games that he makes (laughs) the whole family can play but this is more geared towards you know families playing with their kids and stuff like that but also having a good time themselves so until next time i'm kurt and this is d y and this was the mfgcast thanks for listening guys Legends of Tabletop Podcast, creating legends one die at a time.